0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.
1: Let's go! This is the
3: Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni
4: on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: We are one week out from the NFL kicking off its 104th season, which means this is our last Thursday without Thursday Night Football for a hot minute. And while we might not have meaningful NFL games today, we still have plenty of action week one college football to get to over the course of the next two hours as we welcome you in to the Lombardi line. I'm Stormy Bonantoni in for Michael today, the one and only Jonathan Von Tobel. Also, the last Thursday, Michael will have off as he gets started with the six day a week bonanza. That is football season, and, and you'll be having a new schedule as well. Jvt. Uh,
4: yes, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll have live at Saturdays, but the uh, more important and more exciting thing, college lines revealed, will be on Sunday, 10 to 12 p.m. Uh, where we look at the first week of college lines, or the first look at the next week of college lines. Did it last year? Changing it a little bit. Uh, last year we only did it for an hour. This year we'll do it uh, for two hours. And um, yeah, I'm looking really really looking forward to it. And I think I'm allowed, I think I'm allowed to say this. I don't know if I get fired. Uh, Pamela Maldonado will be with me as my co-host uh, for those shows going forward. So that'll be a lot of fun.
0: No, it's going to be awesome. Really excited to welcome Pam to the VSN family officially. Same thing with Mike Sawmich, who's going to join us later on in the show. He's obviously done a lot of work for VEASAN here in the past, but now an official full-time member joining us, professional handicapper. He'll be here in hour two today. And then coming up in about 30 minutes, VEASAN contributor himself, Will Hill. Although it's I say like himself, but then his Twitter handle is at not the, the Will Hill. So I got it, you know. I mean, to us, he's We're the right. Will Hill, which he is, by the way, yes, he's our Will Hill.
4: our new schedule kicks off this week. Uh, Pam will not be with me this week. She'll be back next week or she'll be on next week. Will he'll be with me on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: There we go. Awesome stuff. Excited to have him in just a little bit. Um, but let's get into some of the news and notes headlines of the day. Starting with uh, several weeks. Apparently did mean several weeks for Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. Hard to keep Zach Taylor playing coy when his quarterback finally was out there on the practice field yesterday for the first time since July 27th when he suffered that right calf strain. Um, immediately saw that Bengals Brown's line for week one tick back up to Cincinnati as a a two-and-a-half point favorite from the one-and-a-half that it was, total 47-and-a-half. When you saw the news, was that kind of what you anticipated? We figured that he would get out there on the practice field at some point.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, when there's information that is important as to what is going to transpire, you can only take the information on surface. And when the information first came out that he was hurt, the first thing was several weeks should be back before week one of the regular season and thus here we are we are before the regular season and he's back at practice what I'm more interested in is we've talked about this before Stormy is if you go back the last two years and Joe Burrow the weird thing that happened which was I think the day that he referenced slow starts because of missed time in training camp right he gets the calf strain Uh, but it's that the Bengals have been slow starters Burrow statistically in the first two games of the regular season has been a slow starter each of the last two seasons so does that transpire yet again here and especially week one against the Cleveland team that I am relatively high on in that. I bet them to win the division and think that they're going to be a pretty live team. I think that uh, them yeah, as part of a, a teaser leg is going to be very popular and should be, you know, getting them up through three and through seven. So I'm very interested to see if that slow start transpires. And of course, what the market wants to do now here, will they push this up to that full three? I would doubt it. I think that there's a reason why it's still sitting at two and a half. But mm-hmm. those are like the, the two things that I think now come from this. We know he's back. But what to what extent? And do we start to see what we saw the last two years?
0: And I- I am in a similar thought process with you when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. I am at least hopeful that things turn mm-hmm. around for them, that Deshaun Watson now has had this full off, um, off with the team, with the coaching staff doesn't have to take that step aside. We know the talent that there is around him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So, That early season game, again, that line sitting two and a half right now. Jamar Chase said after practice yesterday that, you know, he did. He told Joe Burrow numerous times, don't come back if you're not ready. But he was full go, felt good out there yesterday. And when it comes to the contract side of things, obviously Joe Burrow, the next guy in line for that massive contract extension, that was another thing Zach Taylor was questioned about. Was there any thought that maybe he would sit due to contract talks before the season started and he said no, and that's what transpired. And to your point about what Joe Burrow said when it came to wanting to get those training camp reps and the preseason mm-hmm. reps because he had been slow starting the last couple of years, I wasn't particularly surprised that he felt that that was still going to be important for him to get out there.
4: Yeah, it's it seems that, and I, you know, we can t- argue about, this is more of a Michael conversation, right? Like, if I was Joe Burrow, would I want like every dollar and like want to make sure that I'm okay before you go forward? Sure. But Burrow seems to be a guy that would put that, I think, second and wants to at least from a competitive standpoint be ready to go. So how that transpires generally, I would think even with an injury, we saw him bounce back from a torn ACL that the guy's gonna get the money that he deserves no matter what, and so maybe he thinks that. And thus let's just get ready for a season that is impending right now.
0: This is a Bengals team that is the favorite in that what we anticipate being a very competitive AFC North, uh win total ten and a half, juice minus. Minus 130 to the over 11 to one shot in the Super Bowl odds. Third in the AFC, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are the favorite, and Burrow has won the majority of those head-to-head games against the Chiefs that we know, except for pretty important one last year in the right. AFC Championship. Burrow head no more, as they say. But when it comes to the top teams in the AFC, do you still feel that it's it's Chiefs Bengals there at the top, or or who do you see sneaking in the AFC, which we know is so competitive? Oh
4: yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any reason why you would change your thoughts as to, you know, the top two being Cincinnati and Buffalo, or excuse me, uh, Cincinnati, Verdian Slip, uh, and Kansas City. I think you could throw Buffalo, obviously, in that mix. I, you know, the odds would kind of represent Chiefs in their own tier, and then you get Cincinnati and Buffalo, and then you get the rest of the AFC. I think that I would put uh, Cincinnati ahead of the Buffalo Bills, uh, just ever so slightly, so there's not like a massive uh, gap between those two in my mind, but they're still there. So, yeah, I don't think there's really any reason to change what you thought, and it's very interesting, as we talked about, right? Kansas City for the second consecutive year. Questions about what the wide receiver room is going to Mm -hmm. look like, what that offense is going to look like with a change of wide receiver. Now this is a lot more impactful because of the massive bodies, of course, that they have to switch over here. So I'm be very fascinated to see if there is any drop-off, but generally when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and a play caller like Andy Reid, there's not that much drop-off.
0: Yeah, And some question marks for the Chiefs when it comes to their defense with Chris Jones still maintaining his holdout. I know um, that they said this week they're hopeful Chris Jones will report, but there's been no actual update to that since he said on social media that he be willing to hold out as long as week eight. Um, We also talked yesterday on the show about Nick Bosa and the 49ers reportedly getting close on their deal. More contract news. GM for the Dolphins, Chris Greer, said all contract talks between Chris Wilkins and Tua will be put on hold until after the season. But let's move ahead with another one of the biggest headlines of the NFL this week and for the last couple of weeks. And I I hate to say this, buddy, because I know you're a Colts fan, but oh, what a mess. It is in Indy right now. Jonathan Taylor, of course, not traded by the team imposed deadline on Tuesday was placed on the physically unable to perform list to start the season, meaning he'll miss at least the first four games of the season. Before we get to your thoughts, let's hear from GM Chris Ballard on what he believes is a repairable relationship with their franchise running back. It sucks. It sucks for the Colts. It sucks for Jonathan Taylor. And it sucks for our fans. It it just, it does. And it's it's where we're at, and we've got to work through it. And we're going to do everything we can to work through it. Relationships are repairable. They're repairable.
4: I mean, how could you see this coming? It does suck. They have no power in this in any way, shape, or form. There's no way that they could fix this in like two seconds. So you feel for Chris Ballard. You feel for Chris Ballard. This is all Jonathan Taylor's fault, to be quite honest.
0: You're the worst. It does. It, it does suck. The situation as a whole sucks. I agree with it from that standpoint.
4: I'm. I'm being obviously facetious. Yes. Ballard and the, in you know, the eccentric owner. We'll call him Jim. Irsay. Did he not?
0: Did he not look like Zach Wilson a little bit in that clip?
4: Kind with, of. With the. Well, here's the the thing.
0: Youthful cap.
4: Yeah, that's that's the question. Is you know, like the fifty plus year old guy in the flat brim baseball fitted is you know kind of. It's
0: acceptable. cool when Kyle Shanahan does it, but is I'm it? not sure other other people can do um, it as well. It's become his thing.
4: Right. I would say this. Like you can you can you can sit there in front of the press and say the situation sucks. At the end of the day, you're a team that has some cap space with a rookie quarterback that you're going to build around and a very cheap backup. Like you're in a situation where you can make the guy happy, pay him what he probably wouldn't get elsewhere, and still be in a flexible financial position because the guy that you drafted hopefully be future is in the first year. Of his contract, so I would think that look, they can fix this. I think it's foolish to come out and say, "Oh, it sucks, man." You, like, no, you could do something about it if you like. And the team itself is kind of odd. You know, the roster cuts—they only have what four wide receivers on the on the uh, on the roster right now. And what they're trying to do, I'm not entirely sure. But at the end of the day, like, this is kind of a situation of their own making, including Jim Ursay making comments that kind of inflamed all of
0: this. Yeah, it doesn't help when your owner is saying the things that he was saying. If Jonathan Taylor's out of the league and I die tomorrow, like. The league will go on, which, granted, is factual We're all information. dust in the wind, Stormy. But, geez louise, you know, you don't need to put your running back on blast from that standpoint. But I also think that the team was probably caught a little bit off guard based on the comments that Jonathan Taylor had made earlier, even this year in April, saying that, you know, everything was all good. That wasn't going to be a concern for the time being. And then he gets a new agent, fueled by the owner that loves to talk, compounded by the general devaluation of the position that we sit at right now in the running back. For the NFL, and it's just one of those things that's unfortunate all around, I feel like. Will Jonathan Taylor, in your mind, play for the Colts this year?
4: Yeah, I still think that's the case. Like, ultimately, you know, whether Ballard wants to talk about relationships being fixed... I don't know if a relationship is fixed, but a professional relationship can be fixed if you're given what you want. And thus, if he is given a contract uh, that he deems worthy, then yes, the relationship can get fixed and he will be an Indianapolis Colt. Now, will he respect his bosses and like them on a personal level? That yeah, Probably not. But if you get what you want, then that can help solve a lot of things. I mean, look at Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, right? Yeah. Hold out, hold out, hold out. And then all of a sudden, all right, 12 mil, and then here we go. Let's, I'm back and everything's going to be fine. So, I, yes, professional relationships can be fixed. I would still make it a small favorite that he plays a down for Indianapolis.
0: It was interesting seeing all of the stuff coming out yesterday about kind of what the Colts were asking for from others and then they the teams then refuted some of those Mm -hmm. reports that had come out but like they're trying to get Jalen Waddle they're trying to get first round but we knew they were trying to get a first round pick but like more than that in swaps and it was just an interesting Twitter follow yesterday as you're kind of doing the scroll down I need to stop calling it Twitter I know we've been through this like time and time again but I need to get it down x it is x i did good i did well yesterday um okay so that's a good start here talking nfl but like i mentioned off the top of the show this is the first full week the grand kahuna of college football and there are a number of games that are coming up tonight as we kick off week one in college football most notably of course that utah florida rematch from a year ago a heartbreaker for the youths in the swamp Now there's a lot of quarterback questions for Utah. Will Cam Rising or won't he play? The line certainly indicates one thing, but is that the reality of the situation or has that line even maybe moved a little bit too far? We will discuss it all when we return here on the Lombardi line. We're just getting started. This is Visa in the Sports Betting Network.
2: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand.
4: the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on Vsin, the sports betting network. Today is the
0: day our updated NFL betting guide is out now. Throughout this entire NFL preseason, our VEASAN experts have been reevaluating each and every team to help give you the best betting edge we can. The updated guide has picks from every on-air host. We'll get to JVTs and my own here in just a little bit. Team-specific preseason analysis, Michael Lombardi has a breakdown of every team, how to use VEASAN betting splits and football contest strategies as well. Adam Burke has a great write-up there. If you want the best and most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, and previews, now is the time to become a Veasan Pro subscriber. You can do so for as low as nineteen bucks, or save fifty percent off of that monthly price when you do the annual subscription. Bet smarter all year long. Sign up today at Veasan.com/slash-subscribe. Jonathan Montobo and Stormy and Tony with you back here on the Lombardi Line, and while we'll talk plenty of college football throughout. Plenty of NFL, excuse me, throughout the course of the next two hours. Time for a little college football talk now. Week zero was a great appetizer last week, but it's officially week one in college football. We've got four days of games coming up, our first fully loaded weekend, and it all kicks off with 11 games coming up today. The most notable of which certainly is that Utah-Florida matchup, and we we've seen that line go all over the place as high as nine and a half, as low as four, JVT.
4: Yeah, I, I find this pretty fascinating. So last night, or yesterday, whatever time it was, time melts together now at this point. Um, Pete Thamel has a report that says, doubtful to play, unlikely to play. And so the market now is kind of floating around five. But you and I were talking about this. What I find kind of fascinating is when you watch the way the markets bounced around throughout the weeks leading up to this game, it got to as low as consensus four and a half and in some spots four based on nothing but thoughts that, hey, you know what, it's probably unlikely, and based on reports that he wasn't practicing. Mm -hmm. But now we have an official college football reporter saying he is doubtful to play. It's unlikely we're going to see him, and the market has kind of pumped the brakes at five. So what I'm going to do is, look, I I think we've come a little too far. I think Cameron Rising is a very good quarterback. I think he is worth, obviously, something to a point spread. But if we're going to get down to, like, the four range, potentially even three and a half, once we get the official news, we'll see what that's going to be. I think we're at a point now where we're a little too far in one direction. Still have my questions about what Florida's going to be. If you look at Florida and what they have, especially when you talk about quarterback, right? It's a really big change to have Graham Mertz as opposed to Anthony Richardson. One of the things, if you look at Florida, the way they ran the ball last year, they had an explosive run game, and a lot of different metrics paid in a positive light. A lot of that had to do with a quarterback that can move and, of course, shed tackles and fall forward for extra yards, all sorts mm-hmm. of things that a mobile quarterback can do. Graham Mertz, not the case. We know what Mertz is, limited as a passer. And to go on the road here in this sort of a situation uh, and have to deal with that in terms of, right, playing an early season game out there in Utah, altitude, all sorts of things. Uh, I think the market is kind of getting a little too far in the other direction. So I'm going to bet Utah today. I just want to see what this number is going to do, how low we're going to get once the news is official. And uh, I'm going to back the Utes, despite the fact that they're going to be on a backup quarterback.
0: No, I understand that thought process, too. I, I think that it did kind of go one way too far in the other direction. Utah is still Utah. At the end of the day which is a very very good team probably should have beat Florida last year felt like they were the better team and that thriller where they lost by three points down there in a hot humid night game in the swamp but Utah still has a great defense they have a tremendous coach in Kyle Whittingham um, a, a team that under his tutelage very rarely I feel like beats themselves generally speaking and they want that revenge I think in, in a lot of sure. ways from last year beating an SEC team would mean a lot regardless of who it is and not to say that Billy Napier's not a, a great coach. I think that he is and he proved that of course before he came to Florida but 6 and 6 last year. Uh, you talk about Graham Mertz and what he brings very different from what we saw with Anthony Richardson who in that game last year had some like lightning in a bottle moments, right? It you was, could
4: argue it's one of the reasons why he's an in Indianapolis Colt. Right. Right, Because he was that electric that it almost solidified People it as a really like prospect. People were like
0: singing Heisman hopeful yep. about him after that game the way that he performed knowing how good Utah was and, and Rice-Eccles Stadium has one of the more underrated home field advantages i think it is hard to play in salt lake Mm -hmm. city
4: no i i would agree with all of those sentiments here so it'll be very fascinating because you always get like what like when it comes to injuries especially impactful ones you get the two moves you get the initial move when the player in question is thrown into doubt so you know we get this move where again for those who maybe don't remember or or just checking in for college football because it's just getting started this did open nine and a half ten so we were there Mm But then we get the initial move to where we're at now which is 5 when there is heavy doubt onto where the player is going to go if he's going to play or not. And then you get the secondary move which is once he's officially ruled out and then you get another move after that. It's not going to be massive, it might be a point, maybe a point and a half, but the market does that sort of thing. So that's why if you want to be like me, I know we're going to talk to Will Hill is going to come up in a little bit, he's got the same play. The, the number is going to be available for you if mm-hmm. you want to go out there and lay it. Just sit back and wait and see what the market does once it's officially announced that rising's is going to not play, which it seems like is going to be the case and can I also mention really quickly The other thing I'm tempted to is, if we get a secondary move on this total, because we're starting to see the market kind of drive a lot of these totals down, right? Kent State and Central Florida down for 58 and a half, 54 and a half. Uh, UConn and NC State, 48, nine and a half to 47, 47 to 42 and a half in the Nebraska Minnesota game, and then here 50 and a half to 44 part of this move is because of Rising's injury. Mm-hmm. The other part is the market really kind of, I think, over-accounting for maybe some of the new clock stuff. And so, if we're going to get to a point where it moves again on the total without Rising, I think it's going to be favored in the over for me tonight.
0: It is funny, just the mind games that Kyle Whittingham and Cam Rising even are playing here. Like, he talks to media the other day and says, feel pretty damn good. Yeah. And Kyle Whittingham, not really given any any update, um, said, I don't know if we're positive right now. I can't tell you that. There's also doubt, by the way, that tight end Brant Keith Who missed a good portion of last year with an ACL injury himself might not be cleared, but gave no update from that standpoint either and speaking of mind games I don't know if this actually was mind games or not last year but remember we all remember all too well that Washington State game when everyone thought Cam Rising expected Cam Rising was going to come trot out onto the field even the broadcast crew saying that he was going to run out there and it ended up being Bryson Barnes anyways who we expect to be the starter um, come later on this evening let's keep moving with the card tonight Kent State at UCF um, the newest member of the Big 12 a 35 and a half point favorite seven an Eastern kickoff on FS1 in Orlando. Kent State, a team that that I think largely a lot of people around the country think could be the worst team in college football this year.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case here. The question, the question for this game is just how bad Kent State's going to yeah. be, right? And so it, the market clearly thinks that that's going to be the case, and I can't really find a way to disagree with it. This is where I think when you look at it for me, this is going to be uh, one of the things that I've tried to talk about a lot, right? When it comes to in-game wagering and live wagering, what you're looking for is potentially Kent State, you know, scripted drives coming off, you know, getting ready for this game, potentially having some early success and coming in and then betting the other side because I don't really know much about either team to be quite honest with you and what we're going to expect and with such a big number and especially the way the market's moved this open 30 now we're up to 35 and a half you're kind of behind the eight ball because it's moved so much if you can get an early score from the golden flashes mm-hmm. then maybe you're going to be able to get in live but I wouldn't want to come in and lay 35 and a half if anything it's take yeah. 35 and a half and sit back.
0: From last year, lost their starting quarterback, top three rushers, lead wide receivers, four offensive linemen. Defense will be bad. Recruiting has been bad. Um, UCF, meanwhile, a nine and five team last season, and and one that a lot of people actually like in their first season in the Big 12 this year. NC State. It's not.
4: It's not often you see zero next to returning starters for one side of the ball, and that's (laughs) exactly what's happened with Kent State. That's terrible.
0: Rough. Uh, NC State, 14 and a half point favorite, taking on UConn. Total 47, some 46 and a half. Out there on CBS Sports Network, 7:30 Eastern. Um, Jim Mora, obviously leading a very improved team from 1 and 11 two years ago, 6 and 7 last year in a bowl game. It really just did an amazing job for a program that's been bad for a number of years. An experienced roster coming back, but NC State obviously has the brand. No Devin Leary, but you do get Brendan Armstrong, who has been a really good quarterback when reunited with his current offensive coordinator at NC State. How do you evaluate this one?
4: So I took 14 and a half with, with UConn. I, if, I think that Yukon's gonna be in a position much like they were last year. For those who don't remember, UConn actually finished nine and four against the number. They were a good ATS team last year, and it was situations like this that I think you want to go to. So I took fourteen and a half with the Huskies. I think I like what their quarterback situation is. Uh Joe Fagnano comes in from uh, Maine. He has his head coach now over there as well. Uh, that's gonna be the offensive coordinator for UConn, that would be Nick Charlton. So there is some continuity, right? Usually you want to see that difference like okay, we well, have a new quarterback and a new system. Well these two guys at least work together when they were at Maine, so there should be some cohesiveness here. Would it comes to implementing this offense I think UConn's going to be a pretty live team once again you mentioned the job that Moore did a season ago I think they've got a solid quarterback I think they're good enough here to take on an NC State team that only brings back thorough for the three or four guys on defense I think they're going to be able to stay within this number and it's going to be a season that I expect at least UConn to have as last year right good solid ATS mm-hmm. team I don't know about the wins but I think they're going to be good on a week-to-week basis
0: It's crazy how bad they were before last year. 2021, one win. 2020, they didn't play in that COVID season. 2019, two wins. 2018, one win. 2017, three. 2016, three. It's just for years and years and years been abysmal. So to have a six and seven season and 17 returning starters expecting to build on that, uh, I think is a nice feather in the cap for Jim Moore and that UConn crew. Um, Plus, I also think, I I don't know if this is anything that would come into your thought process because it is week one and obviously you're so excited just to play anybody else. But NC State does have Notre Dame coming up oh, too as well. Like hard to not have your focus in that spot.
4: Well, I, th- I think so. One of the things in college that I've come around a lot more to over the last few years has been those types of situations. Situational handicapping in college football, I think, is is much more impactful, much more important a part of the process. And for a team like NC State that has a big opponent coming up uh, in Notre Dame, yeah, th- those are the kind of spots that you're looking at and circling for some of these teams uh, when you're talking about it. So, no, I, I don't think that's not – I don't think that's foolish to think that is part of the process here. I get it's opening game like you're talking about and going on the road, but it's hard not to look past what has been a very moribund program for a very long time to get ready for what's going to be Notre Dame.
0: UConn feels like a live dog in this opening weekend spot we didn't get to nebraska at minnesota but we will a little bit later on in the show for now we're going to step aside but when we return Bison contributor will hill Little career update for him new show he's going to be a part of here soon as well as some of his best plays of the day and weekend don't go anywhere
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on
4: Vset, the sports betting network.
0: Before you ever even place a bet with the G Bank Visa Signature Card, unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G Bank Visa Signature Card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a one percent cash rewards on gaming and sportsbook app loads every time, and two percent on other purchases. G Bank Visa, a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere, also works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank/visin. That's g.bank slash V-S-I-N. Rolling along here on the Lombardi line, Stormy Bontoni and Jonathan Bontobel with you. We welcome in Vsin contributor Will Hill, at not the Will Hill on X, and super excited to have you, buddy, and excited for your new opportunity as part of the Bear Bets new podcast with Chris the Bear at Felico. What can you tell us about it?
5: What's going on? First of all, I I should be billing both of you because I was privy to your conversation off the air. Both of you just spilling your heart. So I felt like I was uh, playing psychologist, but I'm excited. This It's going to be fun. This podcast uh, with with Chris Felica, Jeff Schwartz. And then I'm going to be part of a little roundtable with those guys and Sammy P where we just go back and forth, uh, you know, lines, futures, whatever the case may be. Our first episode we recorded last night. So it is out. It is up. It's uh, it's ready to go. So it's a lot of fun and I'm excited.
0: Yeah, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts, as the kids like to say these days.
5: Uh, We'll open up
4: an apology. Will, I saw your uh, post on X. Uh, I am not Michael Lombardi, so I apologize. Uh, It is me, my friend. You'll have to stick with me. Uh, All right, let's go to a game that I was actually just talking with Stormy about. Uh, You and I, I think, are on the same lines here. Utah, Florida. Uh, Walk us through the process. I'm in on Utah. I'm just waiting to see what the market does once it's official that rising is going to be out. We'll see if that's going to be the case. Pete Thamel had the report. What are you doing here?
5: I'm curious what you think in terms of where the line's going to go, because I took a bunch of six and a half and seven with Florida. I might've even got seven and a half last week, but I, I'm back. Like the side I like right now is Utah and mm-hmm. I'm going to hopefully, Hey, we get this thing by six or seven. I'd be a very happy guy. It, it started. It, I think the lowest I saw it got was four and then mm-hmm. four and a half and it, it ticked back up to five. So I don't know that we're going to get that three, three and a half. So I, I bought back on Utah. I think the Utah is the right side at this number. If there's any team that's capable of, of withstanding a loss of quarterback, it's Utah. Just because they're built inside out, mm-hmm. both sides of the line are really good. You know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. That building is going to be insane tonight. I mean, That's always a tough place to win, especially first game of the season, prime time. You got an SEC team there. This is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere. So. Uh, let's hopefully get hopefully get Utah by a touchdown or so, maybe with a missed extra point, they win by six. But I do think Utah is the right side. Graham Mertz is involved. Like I, I, like, <laughs> I think that needs to be mentioned here. Graham Mertz is involved. He is just not good. So I'm sure there will be some pu- some sentiment. You know, people that uh, just look at this and, and maybe aren't following college football that closely, or you know, not that in tune with the rosters or ever just say oh this team doesn't have his quarterback this team is the i got the sec team i'm getting points and they're gonna look to florida but i think utah gets them tonight hopefully by seven
4: yeah and you mentioned really quick i i would assume we get to four at the very least The far away places have four and a half already and you know you get that secondary move once it's officially announced so i'm hoping i get to lay four here with
5: utah yeah. Yeah, I wonder, though, if we'll get an official announcement because Utah, everyone that covers the team, sorry, maybe you know about this, Winningham is very close to the vest. I remember, I remember a podcast I was listening to where like they, they said a couple years ago they wouldn't even tell the production crew who nope. was playing quarterback. Um, and, and, and they basically everybody found out when the guy took the field. So um, who knows if we actually get that announcement? Because even though we know he's not playing, it's, it's funny how the betting market works, and you alluded to it, JVT. like We'll know he's not playing, but once he's officially out, you get yep. that second wave of like, oh, he's not playing. I got to bet against him. Like, it's already well, well baked into the number. Like, this was 10 during the summer. This is, it was assumed he at least wasn't going to be 100% or wasn't going to play. You just, I feel like sometimes it's a couple moves too much.
4: So follow-up, last one on this. Uh, I was also playing around with the idea of betting this thing over if we get another move because this thing opened 50.5. We're down to 44. If this gets to like 42.5, I think this is kind of worth playing because you get the impact of the injury and I think the market kind of overreacting to 4-3 and three to the under in Week 0, which I guess is something worth playing on.
5: Yeah, I'm not looking to play a lot of overs, but I'm, I'm- – Some of these are moving, and we'll get to one of them. Some of these are moving to the point where, man, you got to think about just playing back. And if you got good numbers, you can, you you got nice little middles on key numbers. But all these unders just keep ticking down. And look, the clock affects it. I'm, I'm looking to play unders if anything. But you get to a certain point, like it's still a college football game. Getting to 42 or 43 in a college football game is not that hard. You're going to stumble into some points one way or another. So. Um, I agree with you. I don't think there's any value left on the under. I'll I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, Well, and and to your earlier point uh, about how close to the vest Kyle Whittingham has played some of these things, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about that game against Washington State last year where I always say, that's when you need a sideline reporter, okay? Nobody knew what was going on. They didn't have a sideline reporter that day. Couldn't get any information. I do have value. Little things, little (laughs) things. Although,
4: like, I I I mean, you're a good sideline reporter. (laughs) I don't think you would have gotten it out of Whittingham. Unless you were going to tie him down, like, you know what I mean? Like in 21, where they get the guy for card counting, and so they tie him up and he get the knuckles and he just start <laughs> bashing his ribs in. I think that's how you get usually, Kyle Whittingham to give you information.
0: Usually when you are down there, though, because when these things ha- t- ha- tend to happen, they do give the SID the heads up. They might not tell media, they might not tell broadcast, but they'll tell their SID or somebody that's out there on the sideline that, you can say, hey, what's up? And they will share the, at least an, a go. piece of information that you can give. So there's that
4: look up Utah's element
0: ID. of it. Um, Paul Kirk. Used to be that? at Colorado State, Mountain West. But um, but no, so that was that was just one of those things. And interestingly enough, like it, there's so many coaches like that where even before the game when you're down there on the sideline and you're like, hey, any any updates? What's going on? They don't tell you a dang thing, and they wait until kickoff, and then you have to learn it that way. It's a real pain in the neck. Neither here nor there. Let's get to this Nebraska-Minnesota game because we didn't get to touch on this one before. I know you have a play on the total, but a lot of people taking that seven with the Cornhuskers' belief in Matt Rule taking over the program we know. Know what he's done with Temple. We know what he did with Baylor, turning around that program in a year. But does it get started off with a bang here in this season opener against Minnesota? How are you looking at this one?
5: Yeah, I don't have a play on the side. Usually, it takes Rule a year. Wherever he's gone, uh, it's taken. It's that first year is is there's some growing pains. The second year is the leap year. So I I understand like the optimism of Rule going forward. I just don't know if we're going to see it in week one. I think there's 42 and a half now at DraftKings. This is all the way down. I think it was 47, 48, not that long ago. It was at least 46 and a half like a few days ago, and even 45 uh, like maybe two days ago. So this is just keep – it's like a putt that continues to roll and roll. Like eventually I'm going to down the punt and, and play the over here. I think 42 and a half is just too low again. Like it's, it's just hard to not score 43 points in a college football game. I understand the new clock rules, but to me, Minnesota, I think – Uh, You know, reading between the lines with some of their comments from camp, they're going to shift their philosophy on offense a little bit. They've been such a run heavy team. I think they were 70% rush rate last year where they're basically like a service academy with the way they ran the ball constantly. So I think they're going to be more of a pass heavy team. The quarterback's not a bad player. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Stormy, you're a pro. You you probably got in JVT. You probably could too. Um, I think they'll be better at quarterback. And they lost a lot on defense. They really lost a lot in the secondary. So to me, just in general, they profile as an team. I know there's some wins you have to worry about, but uh, who knows? Maybe that helps you a little bit. You get a, 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 you know, a turnover, a pick six, early, something like that. Defense can help an under, too, if you get turnover in the right spot. So I will go over here. I just think this is too much of a movement. All right, I like it. I'm...
0: Is it Callie Manus? How do you say it? Do you know? I think that. Uh, there you go. I think I think I'll trust the Minnesota
5: you. quarterback.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's how you say it. But
5: Wait, that's where we need Lombardi for the pronunciation.
0: I, was too f- I, have, I right. have UMass <laughs> at Auburn this week. I've been way too focused on Pumachon. OK, so that's a that's a new name for me this week. But it's little things.
4: OK, <laughs> with that, let's go to Friday. Uh, chips on the road taking on Michigan State. This number is what, 14 now uh, across the board. Total of 45. This is another total that's moving. What do you make of this one?
5: I like the dog here. I like the fourteen and a half, or the fourteen and a half's all gone. I don't want to give out a stale number. I looked like an hour ago, and there was a fourteen and a half. I think at least still at DraftKings. I wouldn't be surprised if we, we close at fourteen here. To me, it's a couple things: it's the fade of Michigan State. I think they have issues all over the uh, all over the field. Uh ninety-five million dollars does not get it get you what it used to in terms of the coach. This program has gone south since they gave him that money. I played their underseason win total. Michigan State for me is a fade. And I just think Central Michigan was a little unlucky with turnovers last year. I mean, minus eighteen overall. There was not one game where they were positive in turnovers, some bad fumble luck uh McElwain's one of the better coaches at least for this level he usually doesn't have two bad years in a row so i could see an ugly tight game this is a lower total at 45 and a half so those points are extra valuable in a game where you don't expect a lot of scoring so i will take the chippewas here plus the 14 and a half try to find a 14 and a half obviously
0: the game of the week in college football, we have to wait until Sunday 4, but Florida State and LSU going head-to-head. It appears we are on opposite sides of this one. I bet LSU minus two earlier this morning. You were able to get a three on Florida State. What do you like about the Seminoles?
5: We could both win. LSU could win by two and a half, and then we're both happy. Um, <laughs> I, I just like the three. I like the number here. There's a three there out there at a legal book here. in I, uh, I could t- tweet it out here in a minute. I just think... I love the coach in Norvell the 207 combined starts for the offensive line. So it's a very good, very experienced offensive line, a good play caller with Norvell, uh, one of the Heisman short shots in, in with the quarterback here, Jordan Travis. This is going to be a fun game. I can't wait. I think this is, you know, sort of like last year, last team with the ball, close game. That three is super valuable. So maybe I'll buy back with a little bit of if I can find a cheap money line on OSU and and middle it. But to me, that three, if you can find it and there's one out there is a good bet.
0: Came down to a missed extra point last year for Florida State to get that dub. Thanks, Will. You're awesome.
5: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That's
0: our guy, Will Hill. Follow him at not the Will Hill on X and on the new episode of bear bets that dropped earlier today, branching off from Fox big noon kickoff with Chris, the bear Felica. We are going to step aside. We'll get back to some NFL talk. When we return our favorite bets that we have put down pen to paper, got them in the bet slip for this NFL future season.
5: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni,
4: on FSN, the sports betting network.
0: Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. You'll get a daily email recapping all of the best bets from our show hosts and guests. you also get unlimited access to the VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. You can also check on the top VEASAN experts leaderboard where you can view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for just $19 for your first month at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Now, when you do that, This, you will also get our new and improved updated betting guide. We had a betting guide for the NFL that came out earlier this summer, but now that we have some preseason stuff, injury updates, all of those things, that's incorporated in this updated version, as well as like best bets from each and every host and analyst here at the network. So I know what my favorite one is, what I wrote down. What did you put in the guide?
4: New England Patriots to make the playoffs. Uh, I love this team. I, I, you know what, I think I'm a Patriots it's fan. Music
0: now. to Lombardi's ears.
4: That's right. Um, maybe spending all those time, have that time up in Atlantic City is really what changed me, um, converting me to be a Patriots guy. No, I, I think when you talk about a team being undervalued by the betting market, and again, value is you know the, to the eye of the beholder. However, you make these numbers, whatever it is. But I think when you're talking about, if I were to tell you. That a team that last year finished 8-9 with with the second-best defense in the National Football League, whose only real question was its offense, who then shipped off a defensive coordinator who was calling plays and brought in a real NFL offensive coordinator (laughs) to get the most out of a quarterback who, in his first year, led this team to 10 wins, I think that is I think we're kind of sleeping on how good New England can be, especially when you're looking at things like their win total, like their odds to make the playoffs. And I get a lot of it has to do with what division they're in. But I think that New England is much closer to the teams in the division than the market would account for at this point right now. And especially if you're going to get an above average offensive effort from New England, and all of a sudden this defense starts to become again, they were second best in EPA. They were top five DV, like so many different mm-hmm. metrics. They were top five defense. If that comes back, which I think it is, because mm-hmm. Belichick has proven he's going to do that consistently, and you get, again, above-average play from this offense, this is going to be a team that I think can make it into the postseason and at the very least has better odds of making it into the postseason than the market would indicate. So Patriots make the playoffs, plus 245.
0: Yeah, that that defense is going to be solid once again, and this was a team that coming into the season, I liked their win total over for a lot of those same reasons. I don't think that you can state enough how big of a difference it's going to make for an offense and for a quarterback to have a real offensive coordinator. Like that's what happened last year. I get that we talk a lot about Bill Belichick being one of the greatest of all time when it comes to the coaching position, but that was a head-scratcher from top to bottom, and if it would have worked out, then, hey, more power to you and the witchcraft and wizardry that was out there. But that played out exactly like everyone, it seemed, except Bill Belichick, thought Mm -hmm. it would.
4: And and really quietly... Mac Jones actually showed improvement as the season went along. If you go from Week 12 on, he graded out above average by PFF standards. He stopped committing as many turnover-worthy plays. And still, and that's one of the biggest assets for Mac Jones, he's not a guy who commits a bunch of turnover-worthy plays. Last year, a turnover-worthy play rate of 2.7%. It was 25 in his rookie year. And what kind of you're alluding to, Stormy, which I love the most, is you know, we, we have, we have two sample sizes. We have two seasons of Mac Jones. We have one in which he was an above average quarterback that led a team to the playoffs. And we have another one in which he was below average and his team had a losing record was one away from going, you know, having a winning record though, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the collective, we are like, not nah, that second season is the real one where he had a buffoon calling his plays and putting it right. Like that's yeah. the legitimate version of Mac Jones. And I just don't understand why that would be the case. So uh, I think, you know, you sound like you're kind of locking step with me. At least you bet it over the win total. Uh, I'm, I'm betting this team did not only go over the win total, but make it to the playoffs. And that's my favorite bet that I use for the guide.
0: What was your first thought when you saw Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham released? Uh, we know, obviously, they ended up Good. still signing on the practice squad. But I think I, that was another one of those things you're like, okay, so we got you, Mac.
4: Right. Well, so here's the thing. And I think you've you've come to know me a little bit more as we've done some of these shows. And, like... Some things just really make, like, grind my gears to the point where I'm just like, can we not have stupid conversations? And so one of the stupid conversations during the preseason was like, Mac Jones better watch out. Bailey happy. happy. Emily Cunningham. He, he could lose his job. No. Like, that's not going to be the case. Like, there's this weird narrative that was spun out there that him and Belichick didn't see eye to eye. Stormy, if I told, if, if Bill 80 came in here and said that you've got to do a show, but you've got to do it blindfolded, and you're not going to have a rundown. Like you're gonna and, You're setting and then, someone up for failure. Right. And then afterwards you start getting arguments with Bill, and everyone in the network's like, you know, Stormy's not really being a team player. Like, no, Bill's screwing you over. And it's the same thing here, except a different Bill. Bill Belichick screwed Mac Jones over mm-hmm. with a terrible coaching staff around that offense. I think this is gonna be much better.
0: And he actually credit Mac Jones, too, for the way that he's talked publicly this training camp and offseason, saying that like he put a lot of that on him and that he wants to re-earn the trust of the guys around him. He's working on his attitude. Like he, Even though he yes. was put in such a tough position, I think has still handled it really, really well, at least publicly. My bet that I put in the guide, and again, we're giving you ours, but there's a ton of these mm-hmm. that cover a bunch of different angles, whether it be season win totals to make or miss the playoffs – player props, um, different ways that you can attack this preseason from a number of angles and markets. But what I went with was the Vikings over the eight and a half win total. I know a lot of people, rightfully so, anticipate regression from a team that won 13 games a year ago and had just an unprecedented number of wins in one-score games and the point differential. We know all of the things, right? Right. But I think five games is just too many to regress in this spot, given the talent that they have, given the defensive coordinator that they have brought in in Brian Flores. Uh, I I know our guy, Michael, I even wrote this in the guide. I'm pretty sure Michael loves to joke that they can't let Kevin O'Connell into a casino because of how lucky that guy was Mm -hmm. a year ago. And I do believe that like luck, there is a luck factor when you win that many games that come down to the wire but there's also a little bit of a, a skill factor. That in clutch time, they were able to rise their level of play. And I like Kirk Cousins. A, a lot of people like to hate on this guy and oh, I'll bet against primetime Kirk, all these things. But Margaret Thatcher. But I, I I think that he's got a lot more to give than people give him credit for.
4: Uh, I agree with you. And because here's here's the most important uh, the most important point that you made. Eight and a half, and going over that, and if they go nine and eight, ten and seven, that is regression. That's regression right. from a team that won thirteen games last season. So uh, I, I think that we're like, as a whole, we're kind of missing the point of like, yes, they can regress, but also still win a division at nine and eight or ten and seven, and just not have the wins that they did last season. And there's a reality in which yes, they regress again, but the defense, which was I think one of the biggest culprits for a lot of what we saw last year, uh, gets better mm-hmm. this season. So well, it couldn't I, get worse. Okay, well, that's in, they in, were
0: what, I guess. Technically they could 31 of 32 yep. in total defense. It's but I it was think bad.
4: Like the most important point here is like the offense is still going to be good. Like you, last year the offense was good. It's just the defense that allowed them to still win 13 games that also have a negative point differential. So if your offense gives you the same baseline of production, your defense gets better, you're still talking about a team that can win nine, ten games in what I think is a pretty not poor division, but not one that's very that's insanely strong. Not a like, division of
0: world beaters by correct. any means.
4: So I agree with your I would agree with your thought process here like the the, the vikings are I have, I've I've gone pro-Vikings almost every single year. Last year, I finally got an NFC North to get home, even though I think I bet it like four years in a row. Um, <laughs> but this year, I've been attacking the NFC North in a similar fashion, which is just that I think there's a flawed favorite at the top, and I think betting some of these other teams, specifically the Vikings and or the Packers, to have positive years is the way to do it.
0: And you look at some of those games on their schedule, too, against the NFC South that are teams with question marks, with young quarterbacks, um, teams that have new quarterbacks, offensive question marks like the Raiders later on in the season. Like, there's just... There's a lot of opportunity, I think, on this schedule for a team that even if and when they regress, like I am in agreement with that, that it's going to be really, really hard for them to have double digit wins. But I don't need double digit wins. Mm -hmm. I don't need them to win this division. I don't need them to you know, they're that's not what this bet is
4: nine and eight or better.
0: Exactly. So that's all I'm asking for. And I think that the Vikings can get it done. Where do you see them fitting in that division as a whole this year? Do you have a feel for it?
4: Oh, I, I think they're definitely going to like, they have a shot to finish within the top two, win it. I mean, I bet the Packers to win the division only because I think the odds are too low on them to win that thing. Right. I, agree I think with there's that, value yeah. in that. And so thus I bet it,
0: uh, which we but, did start to see a move by the way, because they were either a longer shot or right there yep. with the bears. And that's come down a little bit. It,
4: it, it's, it's insane to me to think that the bears have a better shot. at winning. As, this as division we pull than, up the draft yep. odds
0: and they're back to the longest shot it, again.
4: It's <laughs> again, like I just, if you are to tell me the bears have a better chance of winning this division, I just don't understand that thought. Um, but to your point like no, like. no, I think there is... I think the, fla- the favorite is flawed. I think that the Bears are flawed in terms of their probabilities of winning the division. Thus, there's value elsewhere in this division, whether it's the Packers at 4-1, to one, which is I- how I judge it, or the Vikings at plus 290. Uh, I think either one is perfectly plausible in terms of saying, I see value in these. But no, I think that they're one of the top two teams in the division. I don't think there's any question.
0: Uh, and something, just going back to the point of the Bears here, something I've said a number of times that I'm curious your opinion on is everybody anticipates Justin Fields to make this massive leap like a Jalen Hurts ask leap without understanding that what Jalen Hurts did was extraordinarily unique and that does not happen often and the things that he fixed do not typically get fixed like he was the exception to the rule not the rule and they think that Justin Fields is just going to step in and be that guy it's a lot to ask on a young player
4: it's a lot to ask and here's the thing Jalen Hurts where he started to where he went his second year to his third year there was a natural progression for Justin Fields it was as a passer his rookie year actually took a small step back as a passer his second year now you're asking for the phenomenal leap up to MVP level like yeah. I just I don't yeah. really understand that thought process
0: three wins a year ago I think if they get seven or if they were able to go over that win total at eight that would be a massive win for this team and a jump in the right direction but it's a lot to put on the shoulders of this young guy in Justin Fields we're going to step aside more NFL talk when we return for hour two Jonathan Von Model is back
2: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand